Hey everyone, welcome back to our podcast. Second episode here. Uh, if you missed the first one, I'm Ruth. And I'm Casey. And we are your hosts for our podcast. Those best friends. Uh, first of all, we just wanted to say thank you to everyone who listened to our first episode. We got a lot of positive feedback, yes. way more than we expected. We were not expecting that many listens or that many nice messages, so that was a great thing. Mm-hmm. We're really excited to make more episodes, and if you ever have any episode requests or ideas for us, feel free to message either of us on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Or... Ruth posted a story on her Instagram about like our topics and if you have any questions about the topics we're doing just shoot us a message. Yeah before every episode we'll either tweet or post an Instagram story about um, the episode of the day and then you guys can ask us questions on that. Yeah. So if you did see my Instagram story today you will know that today's topic is gymnastics which is where Casey and I met. Yeah. So I think we just want to do a brief introduction about gymnastics. So we both did artistic gymnastics. Mm-hmm. So there are different types of gymnastics. There's like, first of all, there's women's and men's artistic, mm-hmm. but then there's also rhythmic or tumbling or trampoline. So as we said, we did women's artistic gymnastics, and basically that is comprised of four events vault, uneven bars, balance beam, and the floor exercise. And the goal is to get the highest score you can on each event. And in order to be winning all around, you kind of have to be good on every event. You can't just have one strength and Mm -hmm. then the other three be weak. Yeah. So basically, vault is just a long runway where you jump onto a springboard and onto that table and do like your skills off of it. And then uneven bars consisted of a low bar and a high bar where you do skills like alternating from the low bar to the high bar. And then balance beam, I'm sure you guys can all picture that. It's just like that four inch platform where you do your routine consisting of your gymnastic skills and some dance elements. And then floor is the huge floor where you do your tumbling lines and some leaps and also has some dance elements incorporated into that too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you've watched the Olympics, then you can kind of picture what each of those looks like and you perform your routines to the judges panel, which Mm -hmm. kind of consists anywhere from, I'd say like two to six judges. Yeah. I don't know the exact number, but they... Um, rate you on your difficulty score as well as your execution so you want to be doing um, the hardest skills you can do but at the same time doing them really nicely yeah and really clean so I think we're gonna begin with how we started gymnastics Mm -hmm. so I started probably when I was like two or three but just as like um, with the recreational program so I think I did look at me, I'm three, which is just like three, three-year-olds doing like running around and stuff. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just remember being so like anxious all the time and I would hate going in just because I had like, I think like separation anxiety. So like I got like super scared and like nervous, but like it turned out being okay. I think that's why my parents put me into it to begin with, just so I could be more comfortable mm-hmm. with like other people. But then from there, I guess we got, like, scouted almost. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like, the competitive coaches would just, like, watch, like, the little little kids and see who has potential to be in competitive. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd say to go into a competitive program, you're either noticed when you're really little and you just are a good listener and – you have like good balance basically Mm -hmm. or you're looked at when you're a bit older probably like six or seven and you're more advanced than the rest of your class but Casey and I were both in like younger programs from as she said like two or three years old and then um eventually the other coaches were like they're kind of too good to be (laughs) in the recreational classes yeah like like more developed than like 
people our age, like, at the time. Yeah. Like, we just, like, stood out more, I guess. So then we went into, like, I I guess I'd call it pre-competitive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're with a bunch of other people your age who have also shown potential, and it's, like, basically advanced gymnastics, but for little kids. So mm-hmm. you just train probably, like, double the hours than a recreational gymnast, but you're also pushed a little bit harder yeah. and expected to listen a lot more. And, like, more focused on, like, the conditioning part, too. So you can be, like, stronger to be into the like, the more competitive and more harder programs in the future. Yeah, because as an uh, artistic gymnast, you really only have a small window of opportunity to be in the sport because – at a certain age, your body just can't take it anymore. Yeah, that's so true. So if you, like, look at Olympians for gymnastics, like, most of them are, like... 16. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Like, if you're above... If you're in your 20s at the Olympics, like, people consider you old. There's that one rare, like, Russian woman who's, like, 50. Yeah, like, so, she's the exception. Yeah. And for um, men's gymnastics, it's, like, completely different. Like, their peak is probably around 19... 20. Yeah, like they're a lot older because I guess when you're a boy, as you get older, you get stronger. I think it's like when they fully hit puberty is when like it's their prime. So I think they like are fully done growing by that time. Yeah, exactly. But like most um, female gymnasts honestly don't hit puberty until after they stop training mm-hmm. intensely. Um, Where was I? Oh, yeah. And from there, yeah, Ruth said like got to the pre-comp program. And then ever since, like, that, you just, like, train more and then just, like, we just kept moving up levels. Yeah, basically how they did it at our gymnastics club, there's just, like, different groups that you go through. So if you excel in, like, the baby pre-comp program, then you move to, like, the regular pre-comp program. Mm -hmm. And if you excel in that one, then they invite you to the actual competitive program. And even within our competitive program – um, you're in different groups based on your skills or what level you are working for, and then they decide how many hours you train. Yeah. How about you? How did you start? Basically the same way, yeah. just through, like, the uh, recreational kid gym programs and then making it up to competitive. But mm-hmm. I was – I'm two years younger than Casey, so um, she was doing the competitive – before I did. Mm-hmm. And then we met when we were in the same group. Yeah. I think I was about eight and mm-hmm. you were six. Yeah. That seems about right. Yeah. And when I went into the competitive program, Casey was so shy. <laughs> like, she was basically mute. She would not talk. Like, the coaches would talk to her and she would, like, nod her head. But she wouldn't actually say words. And I just remember one day... She, I, like, remember this so vividly. You were on the floor, and all of a sudden you screamed. And everyone was like, what is going on? Like, Casey made a noise. And then from, like, that moment on, she wouldn't, she wouldn't stop talking. And she was just, like, like, fun. <laughs> like, everyone else, was like, she wasn't scared to talk anymore. And that's, like, my first memory of Casey. I don't know what was wrong with me. I think I was just, like, super intimidated because I was still, like, fresh into competitive. And there are a lot of, like, older girls who were, like, so intimidating, I thought, just because they were doing, like, such harder skills. Yeah. And I don't know. I I was just, like, super shy back then. Yeah, gymnastics, it's, like, not really – you don't get put into a group after a certain point based on your age. Mm Kind of once you're – in the competitive program, you train with everyone. So if you're eight, like, your teammates are 15-year-olds. Yeah. And I think, like, since you also spend so much time with the same people, it kind of just, like, made me more comfortable with them. And then just randomly just started being more open. <laughs> yeah. So I think we both started, like, my first competition, like I said last time, was either when I was seven or eight. But I don't remember what age. Um, and yeah, I think my first competition, like actual real competition, was when I was eight as well. Mm-hmm. We kind of started competing at a young age. I think eight was 
the like first year you're allowed to do mm-hmm. a real competition with all four events. I think when I first started though, I was only doing two events. I think it was like bars and floor. Mm. But my first competition was gymnics and that's like the international type right. competition. So I don't think like our coaches wanted to push us into like a really overwhelming environment to begin with. Yeah, I remember my first competition too. I did all four of the events, but on I remember the bars, for example, I hadn't really learned the dismount yet or it wasn't like totally ready to be uh, shown to the judges. So I just like <laughs> skipped the dismount and like jumped off the bar. Yeah. But our coaches were great that way. Um, mm-hmm. They wouldn't put you in a level unless they knew you would be successful at it. Yeah, which was a great confidence booster. Mm-hmm. So they didn't push us. Well, obviously they did push us, but they didn't push us in the sense that they just wanted us to look like we were in a high level, but then do badly. They put us in the level that we would be most successful at. And I think that really looked good for our club because everything we did looked like easy, not like easy, but like more clean. Yeah. So as we said in the beginning briefly, you're judged on your execution too. So they recognize that if we could say, for example, do all the skills in level eight, but they couldn't be well executed, then they would put us in level seven to make sure that all of our skills, like they might not be as hard, but they would be executed a lot nicer. Mm-hmm. And then you stay in that level the whole year. And then the next year, when you have more experience, then you would move up to level eight and execute those skills. Yeah. I feel like usually the average like amount of years that you're in that level is like two. And by that time, you're like, you like overpass that level and you can like easily move up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first year in your level, depending on if you stayed it for two, it was kind of like a trial and error sort of thing. Like some people excelled, but not as good as they could have, or it didn't work out for some people. But then the next year, most of us were successful in that same level. Yeah. I don't know if every club did it that way. But our club did it like that, and it seemed to work out pretty well for us. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they really, like, they pushed us, and they wanted us to be the best we could, and they knew our potential. So if we were doing a skill that they knew we could do, but we weren't doing it nicely, I guess, then they would, like, I don't know, push us hard, like, a little bit more so we Mm -hmm. could actually do it. But they would never make you do a skill that you were like really really scared to do yeah I think it also made like the whole experience more enjoyable because if you're like there training for so long like you don't want to be doing things that like you don't necessarily really want to do at that moment yeah and I think that's why we stayed in the sport for a decently long time because Mm -hmm. um we had great coaches and they understood us and they also cared about us. Yeah. Because you hear a lot of horror stories, especially these days within the sport of gymnastics. Um, Just like being emotionally abused by your coaches and stuff like that. mm -hmm. But our coaches were really great. And like we still communicate with them today. Mm -hmm. Because we coach at the same club that we trained at. But I think in the sport, you definitely – like the coach needs to have tough love – but there's a fine line between what that tough love is and I, some people, like, you hear, like, goes past that and, like, emotionally abuse. Yeah. But not our coaches. Yeah. They were great. We're really lucky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, should we talk about, like, injuries in the sport? Yeah, that's a good idea. I don't think I had any, like, really bad injuries. Like, I never, like really broke a bone um I like had like fractures or like hairline fractures like in my ankles and stuff but for the majority of it it wasn't like anything too serious um except for like my last year of gymnastics where I dislocated my elbow and that was pretty nasty and I think like that was like my like major injury of the sport Mm -hmm. which is like kind of surprising And kind of sad because it, like, ended it too early. I know. But I don't know. Like, everything happens for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. So I – well, I had, like, little injuries. Like, I remember, like, breaking 
my toe from playing that beam game. <laughs> Stubbing her toe on the balance beam. Basically, yeah. <laughs> Running into the beam, basically. Mm-hmm. And I, like, pulled my, like, hamstring. Oh, yeah. That was a common thing. Yeah. A lot of people did that just from, like, stretching um, too fast or, like, doing your leaps too soon before you we were fully warmed up. But when I was um, – actually, the day before my 13th birthday, I broke my right wrist. And honestly – Like at the time, obviously it hurt and I wasn't happy about it, but that year I wasn't really like loving the sport and like going to training wasn't my favorite thing. And so when I broke my wrist and I got to stop competing that year, (laughs) I wasn't totally sad. (laughs) That was like a common thing for a lot of people though. They would not like fake injuries, but like like exaggerate injuries just so they could like have a break yeah and like maybe not climb the rope that day or something like that yeah pretty much but obviously like breaking your wrist isn't fake and yeah <laughs> it made me it did make me hate that skill though it happened on vault I was running towards the table and I was doing a round off if you know what that means but I just put my wrist in the wrong direction like it was kind of a fluke accident and it like cracked and then I went to the hospital and they said it was broken and I couldn't do any more competitions (laughs) for the year (laughs) but that was like my main injury Mm -hmm. yeah I'm really surprised there wasn't anything so bad I don't think anyone no ACL no we like like all of our teammates I feel like you can count on one hand the, like, main injuries or broken mm-hmm. bones that we ever saw. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like, maybe a lot of issues occurred, like, mentally. Mm-hmm. Just, like, um, having mental blocks. Like, you just, like, psych yourself out. Like, you think you can't – you get too scared and you think you can't do the skill. And that, like, really overtakes, like, some people's, like, mental ability to actually do it. Yeah, it's crazy how much it's – like as physical as it is, it's also very mental. Like I can name probably like three skills that like I could do and the coaches knew I could do it. But there was like periods of like weeks or months where I just like wouldn't do it because my body mm-hmm. was telling me I couldn't. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I can see from the outside why they would be frustrated. Yeah. But it's like so strange how it's like in your mind it just won't let you do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like it gets really frustrating too, even like for the athlete's point of view. Like, yeah. When you know you can do something and you it just like doesn't work for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um so I guess with that, uh you're probably wondering how often we trained or like mm-hmm. what we did when we trained. So I feel like for the majority of our gymnast like competitive gymnastics career, we trained anywhere from 20 to 30 hours. Yeah. I'd say average 25. Yeah. And it was usually like every day, like five days a week. Yeah. Five days a week. We'd have all Wednesdays and Saturdays off, like for our whole training career. Mm-hmm. It was always those two days. Yeah. Um, and we would train either five hours all the five days or like some years we would do like a mix of six and four sort of thing. Yeah. It, it kind of varied. Mm-hmm. And even, like, yeah, depending on the level you're in or the group you're in, your hours varied. Yeah, because obviously if you are in a higher level, you have to practice more often because the skills are harder sort of thing. Yeah. And usually, like, the average day looks like you do, like, an hour of um, conditioning. Mm-hmm. And then like, That was always the hardest part. Yeah. Especially as a kid, you'd either do – you'd either focus on your upper body or your lower body. And it's not like a – it's not like when you go to the gym and you do squats or bicep curls. <laughs> it's like body weight exercises mm-hmm. and they were hard. And like basically like no rest. <laughs> yeah, no rest because th- it was like a long list you had to do and you had to do it. And if you like didn't complete it in time, like you'd have to do more. Yeah. Or you'd miss your break time. Yeah, and if you didn't come in to the gym feeling 100%, you knew conditioning was going to go badly. Yeah. Like, I'd say almost someone cried every day. Yeah. And it sucked, too, because it was, like, conditioning and then after that, like, events. Yeah. So, like, you'd be so dead from conditioning and then you'd have to do, like, four more hours of, like, physically demanding stuff. 
A brief interruption to the episode to tell you what's going on and why we are so annoyed. So, basically, we recorded this episode two days ago, and we were just listening back to it, and half of it didn't record. It was like white noise and really glitchy, so we lost most of our episode, and now we are going to re-record it, so if we sound a bit off or different, that is why. Yeah. So hopefully you guys enjoy the rest of this episode. So after conditioning, it was always followed by flexibility, and that would range anywhere from 20 to 45 minutes, I would say. Yeah. And it consisted of, like, static stretching and also dynamic stretching. So you may think it might just be light work, but it was actually also pretty hard stuff, especially with the dynamic stuff. And it's not just your average stretches you do before or after a run or a workout, because if you think about all of the skills that a gymnast has to do, you're basically using every single muscle in your body, so you stretch muscles you don't even know you have. Yeah, and we also had to do a lot of repetitions of all of our leaps from floor and beam. And depending on how flexible you were I guess is how much stretching you would have to do or if you enjoyed it or not because if you weren't flexible then you'd have to do extra than the flexible people and you would just not enjoy it at all yeah (laughs) (laughs) and I guess a lot of people are either really strong but not that flexible or the other way around and then Mm -hmm. you have the occasional people that are pretty standard at both yeah But yeah, anyways, after that whole flexibility part of our training, we would have our 15-minute break. And this break was usually the highlight of the training because (laughs) everyone was just upstairs together and you were eating a snack, but most of the time we would play cards. Yep, either president or spoons, and it would get rough. Mm -hmm. And this was the time before anyone had like an iPod or a phone, and no one was really like up there like texting or playing games on their phone or on Instagram or anything so we would Mm -hmm. play cards and then like usually the last five minutes of our break we would go down a bit early and like play on the trampoline yeah basically no one ate their actual snack (laughs) because everyone just like wanted to play and have fun but I also didn't really have much of an appetite during training I don't know about you I did And I would actually try and eat during the cards, but also back then I was really picky at eating and I didn't, (laughs) I didn't like any vegetables. So my snack would usually consist of chicken fingers or a cheese string, goldfish, yogurt drink, (laughs) stuff along those lines. (laughs) Um, One of our coaches actually made Ruth one time during our break eat a piece of cauliflower. And I almost threw up because (laughs) I hated the taste so much. Also the most boring of vegetables, so don't blame you for yeah, that. Yeah, raw, I still don't like raw cauliflower. <laughs> Cooked or in any other form, it's great, but raw is disgusting. I agree with that. And you didn't even have ranch or anything with it. Mm-mm. And if you follow me on Instagram, then this is probably really confusing to you, but to anyone who grew up with me, it's confusing to them now that all <laughs> I eat is vegetables. Yeah, I think it's so ironic, like that complete 180 to like eating vegetables so much like right now and then like in the past you just like did not even want to see it in the room yeah it's uh it was a pretty good glow up I'd say (laughs) so after break we would then go to our events and depending on the time of year would depend on what you work on on those events and the order in which you train them every day was different and you would spend anywhere from 30 minutes to 60 minutes on the event Mm-hmm. So yeah, usually for during competition season, we would just be doing our routines and perfecting that. And then for the summer months, we would mostly just be working on new skills and we don't have to do routines and it's just like more, more fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And you would go to those events usually with the same people anywhere from like three to maybe like six Mm -hmm. people per group and sometimes Casey and I were in the same groups but sometimes we weren't just depending on uh, what skills we were working or what times we were training at. Yeah exactly. But we still got to 
especially if we were on the same event, we got to hang out, obviously, but if we weren't on the same event, we would still talk to each other. Yeah, and we'd usually get in trouble, (laughs) because if Casey was, like, on one end of the gym, I would, like, always try and, like, sneak over or pretend I'm, like, grabbing a mat from over there, and then we would get distracted, and then we would get yelled at. We would be doing, like, I don't know, like, hitting the woe from across the gym or something like that's like what we would do yeah or we'd put our favorite song on and just like sing it across the gym (laughs) we kept things light and fun oh yeah our coaches loved it though yeah and we still do that when we are working at the gym too oops it's just our dynamic (laughs) (laughs) and obviously the point of the trainings were to perfect your routines for competitions, so maybe we should talk a little bit about how those went. Yeah, so competitions usually were about two hours, Mm -hmm. I would say, yeah, and it would just consist of you warming up, everyone all together on the floor, and then after that warm-up, it would be like 15 to 30 minutes, depending on the competition, and then you would move on to the events, and the order of the events would like vary where you started but the olympic order is vault bars beam and floor yeah and on every event you go and you approach the judges table which is usually the most intimidating part because you're just Mm -hmm. standing there and looking at them Mm -hmm. and then they call your names to make sure everyone is there and then they tell you how long you have for warm-up and i think that part always stressed me out the most because it's not a long time they give you, depending on the event, anywhere from 30 seconds to two minutes per athlete. Yeah. So if you're at a small competition and there's only, like, two other people with you, you could have, like, basically two minutes to warm up. Mm-hmm. And that's why we also structured some of our trainings, like, as a mock competition to get the idea of what a competition would be so we wouldn't just be on the spot figuring out how to warm up. Yeah, and w- warming up was also one of the more stressful components of the competition because that's when you're interacting with your coach and if you have a bad warm-up or you take a bad turn it just like it's a mind game so when you're about to compete in the judge like in front of the judge for them to score you that's all you think about Mm -hmm. yeah anyways you go through the events and then after it yeah it honestly just looks like what you see on tv at the olympics You go through the events, and then after, you go to the awards ceremony. Yeah, you go to the awards, and then someone else is there reading off the places, which is based on the scores from the judges. And uh, as we stated before, you're judged on both your execution and your difficulty. So as long as you stay on without falling off, and you point your toes and straighten (laughs) your knees, you're usually okay. Yeah, but... Competitions were always a lot of fun because we made a lot of friends that way, like from all over Ontario. Yeah, because when you're on the events, you're with girls from different clubs. And so you usually end up talking to them and wishing them luck or giving them high fives. And especially because you train the same level all year, you often see them at more than one competition. Mm -hmm. And oh, maybe we should talk about the scheduling of competitions like throughout the year yeah so usually the first competition is called tour selection so this one doesn't really contribute to like the championships at the end of the year it's kind of just like a fun competition where you just compete and then if you place top eight you get to represent team ontario um outside of the country yeah so casey and i both got to go to las vegas in our last year of gymnastics and that was really fun because so much fun. we were with seven other girls on our teams that were from different places around Ontario. And then you got to stay at like a casino hotel in Vegas for five days. <laughs> what more can you ask for? <laughs> and and then other competitions throughout the year. It was like a qualifier. We'd have two to three qualifiers. And then it would be the championships around April. Yeah, and that's when uh, your coaches were training you to peak. Mm -hmm. So if you did bad at the qualifiers, it didn't really matter as long as you, like, averaged a certain score or placed top 32, I think it was, out of all the girls in the level from the province. Mm -hmm. 
And then at the championships, that is when you would try and be your best because if you win, then technically you're the best in the province in that level and age category. Yeah. And also if you come top four, then you get to represent Team Ontario again at Eastern Championships, which is the Eastern half of Canada. Mm -hmm. And it's different every year for Easterns. I think my last year I went to Easterns, it was in Newfoundland. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And my last one I went to was in New Brunswick. Yeah. And the one time Ruth and I made Easterns, of course it had to be in Mississauga, (laughs) Ontario. Yeah, so that was when we were really young, and we both made it. And I think I was so young, I didn't really realize what was going on, especially because it was in Mississauga. Like, you can get there from Guelph in 40 minutes. Yeah. But you still got to wear the special Team Ontario suit, and you got to meet new friends and train with new coaches. So it was still a good experience. Mm-hmm. That was a really fun competition because everyone from our club came to watch us and cheer us on. Yeah, they made us signs, and it just made us feel good. Yeah. And most of the time, as Casey said, the competitions were fun, but obviously you're still a little nervous always, but I I never, like, hated it. Mm -hmm. Like, I always had at least fun on, like, one event, I'd say. (laughs) Yeah, like, the event you were most confident on, it was, like, a lot less stressful. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point, like, as you get older, too, you know what to expect, so you just carry yourself with more confidence. Yeah, you get used to the whole, like, environment by then. Another great thing about where we trained was the fact that every year we would usually have a team travel. So everyone on the competitive team at our club, no matter what age or level, we would all get to go to someplace together, whether that was in a different part of Canada or even the States. Yeah, we would travel with our coaches so our parents weren't with us the whole time. And it was a great way to experience independence at a young age. Yeah, for sure, because... We got to carry our own money, which, like, as a 10-year-old, you don't do. That was always so stressful for me. Yeah, you'd, like, have it in your purse or your backpack, and you'd be checking on it every five seconds, I remember. Yeah, I remember one time one of the girls lost her wallet in BC. Oh, yeah. And it it was, yeah, that was a whole experience. Mm -hmm. And you you never want to, it also made, made it for a good experience, I guess, because you had to kind of be on your toes mm-hmm. because when especially when we were younger there's so many older girls so our coaches just expected everyone to be as mature as the older girls yeah and I remember too even just like eating out with the team um you're expected just to like know what you want to eat and not have your parents be there saying like you have to eat this or like ordering it for you yeah and it was especially stressful for me when we went to restaurants because when I'm with my parents, I could just tell them what I wanted. And if it wasn't on the menu, they would ask because I'm a really picky eater. <laughs> but like when we were out with the team, I'd be like, um, chicken fingers and fries. <laughs> that was everyone's go-to order. Yeah. <laughs> I think my favorite team travel was probably when we went to Kelowna, BC. Oh yeah, that was my favorite one too. That was my first time going out west. Mm-hmm. And it was really pretty. We got to do a lot of fun things outside of the competition. Mm-hmm. And everyone did really good, which is also helpful because then the coaches are happy and yeah. we're happy as well. We all placed first, like every single one of us, basically. Yeah. And the <laughs> hotel had a pool with a water slide. Yeah. And that was also the first time everyone as a team did a music video together. Yeah, we did it to the Lazy Song by Bruno Mars. And we were loving it and our coaches loved it we posted it on facebook yep it's still up there if you want to do some digging and creeping (laughs) (laughs) so now we're gonna jump into some of the questions you guys asked on ruth's instagram so the first question is what was it like um competing against each other so casey and i never really competed against each other because we were different ages and we Mm -hmm. were also usually in different levels yeah but there was one competition that we got to do together and it was really fun (laughs) yeah it was it was so long ago but yeah we competed against each other and 
Ruth placed second and I placed first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was ecstatic because that was one of my first competitions and Casey had been competing and she did really well that year. So I was like both excited and nervous to compete with her because I just like looked up to her so much. And when (laughs) when I placed second, it felt like... I just, like, won everything, and there's a picture of us somewhere hugging on top of the podium. Mm-hmm. It also didn't really feel much of a competition, like, back then with you. I, I never really was, like, stressed that I was, like, competing against you. It was, like, more of a fun experience, like, having a friend along, like, each event. Yeah, I agree. Even when I competed with other people from our club, there was never any tension or rivalry mm-hmm. because... More so, you were just concerned about yourself and doing the best job you could. And then when it wasn't your turn, you were cheering on the other person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like once you got onto the event, like you're just so focused on your routine. Another question was, what made you stop competing? So, I actually dislocated my elbow. And this this happened at an international gymnastics camp in like Pennsylvania or somewhere like that. And... I was doing a skill, a release move from the low bar to the high bar, and I completely missed the high bar and fell onto my stomach with my arms, like, out to the side, so that, like, popped my elbow out of place, and um, after that, I went to the hospital, got it back in, but then when I got back to training at Guelph, I had to just slowly start conditioning conditioning and not using that elbow because it was really not stable so then I would just be conditioning and like doing stretching and like doing like basically lower body things to avoid using my arm and then from there I just kind of knew that it was time to retire because it was kind of like halfway through the summer and I wasn't really training any skills to compete that year and It also sucked, too, because it happened out of the blue, and I was planning to go to the States for NCAA, but everything happens for a reason, and yeah, that's just basically, I just knew when it was time to stop. Yeah, and I stopped at the same time, but I was two years younger, and I did not dislocate my elbow, (laughs) (laughs) but I also just realized that it was time to stop because at a certain point, gymnastics takes so much time out of you and physical demand from your body and I knew I wasn't going to go anywhere with it like the Olympics or the NCAA and I had a really successful year at all my competitions and I felt that I had plateaued and that if I kept training I could do the same skills on the same level but it would take a lot out of me to do the harder skills to move up to the next level. So I just decided to stop on a good note, and I still have a lot of love for the sport, and I still coach it. Yeah, and our coaches are super nice in a way that, like, um, some of us have, like, retired, and we're allowed to go train with the girls for a day and, like, do the conditioning with them. In the summers, we uh, sometimes get a wake-up call when we try and climb the (laughs) rope. (laughs) Um, next question is, describe each other's strengths in terms of gymnastics. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Peyton. <laughs> so, I really admired how Ruth was really good at dance, like, the dance elements in her routine. Like, whenever she did her floor routine or her beam routine, it was always so pretty and so clean, and it just, like, her whole routine just, like, looks so beautiful. Aww. <laughs> And it also, like, you had so much confidence doing it, too. I know, like, a lot of, some of the gymnasts aren't dancers, so you can tell that, like, they aren't, like, really confident doing the dance parts of their routines. Mm-hmm. But, like, Ruth always, like, looks so good doing it. Thanks. <laughs> I always really admired Casey's confidence on all of the events, and especially watching her on the beam, because sometimes you watch people on the beam and they look so shaky, you're just scared, and you're waiting for them to fall. But <laughs> Casey's routines were always so consistent, and she, especially on the beam, because that's the event I guess everyone falls off the most. But even in training, I'd never really watch her fall, and it was almost like a confidence booster or motivation to 
not fall off the beam because I wanted to be like Casey. That's so nice. <laughs> I also really loved how we were both, like, really happy every time during training. Well, most of the time. Yeah, we were really, like, we had a positive attitude going in. Um, if something went wrong, we wouldn't just, like, quit and cry in the corner. Mm-hmm. Like, we might cry, but we would keep doing it. Yeah. It was always, like, a lot of fun training with Ruth. Yeah. Thanks. You're <laughs> um, Somebody asked, who is your favorite character from Stick It? And if you don't know what that is, it's, like, the gymnastics movie. Yeah, you have to watch it if you haven't already. Even if you're not a gymnast, like, it's still just a <laughs> feel-good, like, teen movie. Yeah. Um... My favorite character, and I could speak on behalf of Ruth, too, would be Weiwei. Mm-hmm. She's just, she was so cool and just, like, made competing look really fun. Yeah. Made it her own. I loved her theme routine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, when did you know you were actual best friends forever? That's a good one. Yeah. I don't, I, yeah, I honestly can't even think of an exact moment. I know, I can't think of a moment. But I, I just, like, know that when we trained together, like, we were obviously friends. And I'd say if I had to pick someone, like, like thinking back when I was young, like, if I if my mom was like, oh, who's your best friend in gymnastics? Like, I probably would have said Casey. Mm-hmm. But I feel like outside of the gym, when we knew we were best friends, was probably um, from the last episode when we said we made s'mores dip and slept in a tent in my backyard yeah that was like the turning point (laughs) and we also made our first music video that day yeah and I just knew that we would continue to make really good music videos (laughs) yep somebody said what are the times that you felt like you wanted to quit um for me I think it was just mostly when I had some sort of injury that really stopped me from training well I think that was like really the only time or also when it got to the point where I was missing so much school and I felt like um I was missing out on a lot and I got really like upset and kind of jealous that I was missing so much Mm -hmm. I can think of a few times when I wanted to quit it mostly happened when I was um younger just because I was like working harder skills and like they weren't really coming that easy to me so I guess times when things aren't going your way for like an extended period of time Mm -hmm. because you just you go into the gym with a bad mindset or you like don't even want to show up because you're like scared to do right your skills or your routines but um my parents definitely helped me get through that I'd say, like, Mm -hmm. they just, like, told me to keep going and keep trying because it would get better, and I think they, like, I'm happy that I never quit before I did. I know I was really debating on quitting the time I had um, Achilles tendonitis, Mm. and that was super painful, like, I could barely walk, and that, like, carried on throughout the whole year, and that was really discouraging, and... I think, like, for most of the people, too, it was, like, the injury part was what stopped them from, like, loving the sport. Yeah, I agree. Um, what is your favorite event? I would say probably Beam. I, I don't know, I just, like, I felt really confident on it, and I was, like, pretty consistent, so it was a good for my self-esteem. <laughs> I'd say, for me... It mostly depended on the year and what level I was right, in. Right, that's Depending true. on my routines. So my last year of gymnastics, my favorite event, event would have been bars. But I'd say as a whole, out of my gymnastics career, it would have been floor. Nice. Somebody said, what is your favorite team travel? So as we said before, every year we would kind of go somewhere different. Mm-hmm. Um like, we mentioned we went to Kelowna, but we also went to some off the top of my head are Montreal, Oklahoma, Florida, Chicago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say, yeah, Kelowna was probably my top favorite, but also Oklahoma was really fun. Mm-hmm. That was our last team travel together, too. Yeah, I'd agree. And also, I liked Florida 
but I didn't go to that yeah, one. Casey missed out on that one because of an injury, and I missed out on Chicago because of an injury. Yeah, and Chicago was fun. Yeah, <laughs> so basically, they were all fun. Um, favorite competition suit. So we had the same design of competition suit every year at our club. It was a silver swirl. And it was originally mixed with pink and mm-hmm. then blue. And then it came to a point when you got to choose the color of your swirl. Yeah. And you also got to choose if you had long sleeve or short sleeve. Mm-hmm. I always went for the short sleeve. I had long sleeve a few times, but I ended off with short sleeve. I liked how the long sleeves looked. Like, it looked really pretty when you're competing, but it just felt so constricting for me, personally. Yeah, and it was a bit more uncomfortable and really warm. Yeah, that's true. Um, I'd say my favorite might have been either my like teal color when I finished off yeah like a teal swirl but also when you got to represent team Ontario those suits were really pretty and they also made you feel really cool mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and those ones were like three quarter sleeves yeah and they just look so nice like anything like three quarter like three quarter pants three quarter sleeves just like looks so nice yeah because they it just makes you look longer and mm-hmm. it was great but yeah my my favorite from our Guelph Saltos suits was the blue one I think I only ever went for that blue that light mm-hmm. blue one yeah um favorite and least favorite skill Oh, that's a good one. Uh, so my least favorite <laughs> is so easy. Same. It's probably the same one. Three, two, two one. one. Shoot, shoot over. <laughs> so a shoot over is going from the low bar to, sorry, the high bar to the low bar. So you're going from, you're doing, sorry, it's so hard to explain if you don't know what it you're is. You're just basically doing like a full on swing and you let go and catch the low bar. Yeah, but you do a half turn in the middle as well. Yeah. And the goal is to start in a handstand from the high bar and end in a handstand on the low bar. Yeah, it sounds sketchy and trust me, it is sketchy. It's so easy to like miss your hands going too short or too far hitting your ribs or your hips on the bar. Yeah. And like turning the wrong way. Overall, it was just not a good experience for either of us. And that's a skill where you just can't bail. If you bail, you'll, like, hurt yourself really bad. Yeah, so you have to go for it. Mm-hmm. I also hated Yurchenko on vault, which is how I broke my wrist, which is probably why I hate it. <laughs> but I also hated before it happened. It's when you do a round off, and then, so you change directions with the round off, and then you go backwards onto the table. Mm-hmm. But from there, you also have to do a flip and land. I remember learning vault was always really hard for me just because I was super short but I guess like as I grew up a little bit it became a little bit easier so learning like Uchenko was so hard to begin with but by the end of my gymnastics career it was like super easy and fun Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, favorite skill mine would have to be any connection on the balance beam I was just always really consistent with that and just like love doing it like I was never scared to like do it yeah I think favorite skills definitely are the ones that you're the best at Mm -hmm. so I really liked side aerials on the beam because I don't know I I was just good at them and they weren't scary to me I also liked giants on the bar but I mean who doesn't you're just like swinging all the way around (laughs) the bar (laughs) oh I also really liked shoot up but Unfortunately, that was the skill I dislocated my elbow, but I loved it. Mm. I also liked toe on, which is another bar skill. You start in a handstand, and then you swing down, you put your feet on, and then you take your feet off and end in a handstand. I also really liked free hips on bars. Yeah, basically anything on bars where you don't have to change direction of your hands and you just get to swing around. Yeah. We're good. Kaylee would, our coach Kaylee would be so disappointed that we said shoot overs. Our least favorite skill. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Kaylee. <laughs> what does it feel like to crotch the balance beam? <laughs> so, if you don't know what that is, it's basically when you fall, like you split the beam. Yeah. So it is as painful as it looks. Yep. Because you your whole crotch takes the weight of the landing. Mm-hmm. And you scrape both sides of your legs, and usually you also fall on the floor after that off of like a meter yeah. and 25 centimeters height and doing it at competition would be so embarrassing too yeah because it's so loud everyone looks over 
even the judges feel bad for you because they know how it feels yeah too. you can just tell in their faces like ooh, like that one looked like it hurt a lot <laughs> yeah um what are some things you miss about it I honestly miss um like the conditioning part even though looking like at the time it was like really hard I like miss being strong again yeah I feel that in the moment I really hated it and took it for granted but mm-hmm. now I really wish I could do all the things that I used to be able to do. Yeah, I don't think I could ever be that strong ever again. Mm-mm. I also miss the team travels oh, because yeah. those were just always really fun. Yeah, everyone looked forward to those every year. Mm-hmm. I think just the feeling of being on a team mm-hmm. is what I would say I mm-hmm. miss the most. Mm, favorite uh, famous gymnasts? Hmm. Mine would have to be Nastia Liukin. And I'd say mine is Sean Johnson. They were both American, and they competed at the Olympics at the same time. Yeah. They're just, they were just really good. Yeah, and Nastia always looks so pretty, like, doing her routines. Mm-hmm. Now, I would probably say it's uh, Simone Biles. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, who doesn't like her? <laughs> Even if you don't watch gymnastics, you probably know yeah, who she is. Yeah, you know who she is. And if you don't, get with it. <laughs> And finally, who can do the better backflip? Um, <laughs> well, if we're talking now, the answer is Casey, just because I can't really do it anymore. I can on, like, a trampoline and on a floor after a lot of warm-up, but I cannot do it on the grass. I think it's also just, like, a mental thing, though. Yeah. It definitely is. I have a lot of fears these days. <laughs> you just have to go for it. Yeah. But back then, like, when we were training, I would probably say even. Yeah, it would be even. I don't think there's, like, anyone who was bad at it. I know. It's it's kind of, <laughs> like, it, it's, like, hard. It seems hard. It's, like, a basic skill that you need for everything. Yeah, so. if you can't do a backflip, then you can't be a competitive gymnast. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think that's it for all the questions. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Those were really fun to answer and mm-hmm. nice little trip down memory lane. Yeah. I hope that this um, podcast gave you some more insight on the gymnastics world. Yeah, we really are passionate about it still and have nice things to say about it. Mm -hmm. We had a really great experience with it, so. Yeah, I'll definitely put my kids in gymnastics. Oh, yeah, same. It's just such a great sport for getting all the basic skills and, like, strength and, like, exactly for all other sports. Yeah. So if you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave us a review or download it or give us a a rating. (laughs) Yeah. And if you want to find us on social media, we mentioned last time, my Instagram is at rootsrecipes underscore. And mine's casusantiago underscore or case underscore mg. And we also have a Twitter account, which is at caseyandruth1. And on there, we will tweet about the topics of our episodes or let you know when the next one is up yeah so thank you all for listening this is a long one Mm -hmm. and if you made it here thanks and And we love you we do and we'll see you next wednesday